Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. So, uh, and, the, and the night class is Revelation. So, All right. It's both my favorite and least favorite class to teach. Simultaneously. <laughs> Schrodinger's class for you, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's something. Just... What, you, what you posted on Facebook about the student, <laughs> that cracked me up. Dude, share that for the class, will you? That was great. Yeah, so it was the, it was the first class um, last night, and uh, this was a... I thought I'd done this exercise before, but I guess it was new. <laughs> seems seemed seemed like I did it. Maybe it was an idea that was old, but I actually did it for the first time. And that was like yeah. find some questionable websites, and I wanted to kind of locate how how nutty uh, Revelation is. How it's like no, it's not normal, as if yeah. as if I had to make that point. Uh, so I said, look up a uh, look up a, a, a what are the language I used was a strange, questionable, or extreme website on. Uh, a gospel or a letter of Paul devoted to the teaching that one on any Old Testament book. I said, might be easier if you look at Genesis <laughs> and then one on Revelation. And just to, to kind of calibrate how how easy it is to find crazy websites on mm-hmm. uh, on on uh, or questionable websites on Revelation. And someone said, can I use my church website for the, <laughs> the Revelation? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Wrong headed, questionable or strange. Yeah, go ahead. Use it. Yeah. If you want to use your own church. Sure. <laughs> use absolutely. your own church. Absolutely That's is what a, I said. <laughs> the level of self-awareness there. It's, it's kind of fun. <laughs> Anyone else want to share why they're taking the class? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Well, welcome back to Reading in Church and Other Distractions. I am Robert Wallace. I'm Michael McKeever. And these are the readings for January the 27th, 2019. So the third Sunday after Epiphany. Um, mixing things up in the Old Testament this time, which yeah. is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I will say for the first time ever, I completely understand and might even agree with the verses that are left out of the Nehemiah thing. We'll talk about it in just, okay. a, <laughs> okay. in just a second. <laughs> but Nehemiah 8, 1 to 3, 5 and 6, and 8 to 10. Right. And then Psalm 19, the entire psalm, which is exciting. Normally we break that one up. This is probably the third or fourth time we've done Psalm 19, but yeah. uh, we're doing the whole psalm <laughs> we're this time. Taking runs at it. Here we go. Do the whole and thing. And then the 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31a, yeah. which is yeah. interesting. We wouldn't want to That's do a... too much text here. And then Luke 4, 14 to 21. So long text and then part of the... The uh, Luke Four part passage. Yeah, yeah. This may spill over into Monday. Uh, these <laughs> these readings. Actually, Jesus stops uh, with uh, only half of a verse uh, when he's That's finishing true. reading Isaiah. So That's it's true. So it's, it's it's okay. Yeah. Think you're smarter yeah. than Jesus. You think you're smarter than Jesus. So hope that you will like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, send us an email at reading in church at Gmail or message us on Facebook as people have been doing. I've I had a we had a message about. Uh, the question about what the Revelation commentary was that we have been uh, effusively oh, yes. praising, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. um, for those who who didn't message me on Facebook, uh, we were talking about Richard Balcom's theology of the Book of Revelation. Yep. Is that right? Yes, and uh, it's in a series by Cambridge, which is nice because they are theologies of individual books for the most part, which you don't really get right. very often. Right, and they're really and, not very long; they're thin. Thin small volumes. Yeah. Oh, well, yes, that's true, but it's dense. But, but this one, <laughs> this one's weighty. Yes. It is very weighty. Yeah. Um, so I should give you the weather update. See, I saved this for the podcast because oh, I knew yeah. people would wonder. That's right. Uh, actually, had to cancel church on Sunday. I saw that. I saw a notification. Yeah, it was ten and a half inches of snow oh. that we received. Oh, really? <laughs> Yes. I did not know that because you were saying it, 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 they're predicting a dusting to up to, to nine. nine inches. Yeah. And then as we got closer, they, wow. they started, they went, no, three to five. Well, four to six. Well, five to seven. Well, and it, and by the time Saturday afternoon came, they said, it's going to be five to nine inches. And then that's technically in, not forecasting. That's kind yeah, of just right. live <laughs> tweeting. It kind yeah. of is, yes. And so, so we actually did have to to cancel services on Sunday, and then um, yesterday, uh, the schools were closed, so the office at the church was closed. And then today, the schools were on a delay, so I went into because our our church offices follow the school county calendar, 
and uh, there's still a real concern about um, bl- black ice in the evenings because everything that melts in the daytime then freezes into a nice sheet at night. Yeah, and uh, because we don't have a salt cartel out right. here that, yes. that keeps that from happening. Yeah, um, to which my one of the uh, our business manager said, you know, that's bad for the environment. I said, of course it is, but we get places on time. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. that we, we barely had, you know, an inch, but they were putting salt on the streets. Uh, my yes. son pointed out a, a day and a half before <laughs> it's like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even know it was going to snow and I'm following a plow yeah, throwing salt down. Always ready. We don't have a whole lot of salt here. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, it was, it was hey, good for here's a my factoid. You were apartment. you were were you born in Detroit? I was. Did you know that Detroit is over a huge salt dome? That I did. One of the largest salt mines, salt mines below it. Yes. Yeah. In fact, we were all told as we were growing up that should the Detroit River ever get into the salt mines and cause the large ten foot pillars to dissolve, oh. the city of Detroit would descend ten feet. Wow. That's what we were told growing up. That was. I don't know if that's true or not, but that was the story. Yeah. So that they. Yeah, pray for that. Mind ever. <laughs> yes, because Detroit doesn't have enough problems. Pray, pray that it doesn't happen. That's what oh, I meant. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love my city, but yeesh. Yeah, that's yeah. just interesting. And and think of the juxtaposition of an urban center with like this this salt mine underneath. Yes, oh, a large I, salt mine. I I, mm-hmm. I see pictures of salt mines that are like I want to take a tour of a salt mine. I I think they're cool looking. So. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So you didn't get the, they didn't give tours of salt mines in Detroit. I, I left. I left when I was nine, so maybe they did. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, we are really digressing quickly. Basically, I think what you were leading up to is uh, you couldn't do church, and we'll yep. see how this goes. And maybe you want to cancel church after you hear uh, <laughs> <laughs> how we handle yeah. these scriptures. Yeah, I think that's that's probably what I was Let's going tie for. it all together here. Yeah. Well done. Well done. So, all right. Let's let's venture into. Uh, book that I have problems with, but not, not this part. This part, actually, I like a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. All right. All right. Nehemiah, uh, portions of eight. All right. Yes. yes. <laughs> All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly. Both men and women, all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. Yeah, you and, thought that we had long passages today. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Let's, let's go with that. <laughs> and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered. That's, that's right. Wait, let's just take a moment and say they were standing for this entire reading. So that's yeah. Like, I know. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, go back. I'm sorry. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Sounds so much like my church. It does. Uh, I mean, it's just so familiar. (laughs) Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The first Thanksgiving. (laughs) <laughs> don't think, Weeping, don't think that's right. <laughs> sadness, plenty of food. Family disputes. Yeah. Um, so this is following the exile, um, which just seems to have been a, a theme for us in our selections of Old Testament passages lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the city of Jerusalem has finally been restored. The, the altar was first built in phase one uh, under the return of uh, Sheshbazar, and then the temple under Zerubbabel, 
uh, and then Nehemiah led the building of the wall, and and now the city of Jerusalem is <laughs> is finally together again, and and um, this this ceremony has sort of a a little bit of a feeling of the ceremony when uh, when Solomon was uh, dedicating the temple. Oh, um, yes, it does. And I, and I said that I understood why they left the verse of seven and and um, four out, and that's because you get the list of the thirteen people that are standing on the dais with Ezra. Oh, <laughs> and and I got to tell you, th- these are some really obscure Old Testament names, uh-huh. um, Mattathiah, Ananiah, Hilkiah, Masaiah, Mishael, Pidiah. I mean, these are like, there's no Steve in this list. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or even a Joshua. I mean, these are just really obscure yeah. um, names. And they would tax anyone. Um, Hashbadana was one of my favorite, though. But anyway... <laughs> Hash banana. Um, Some churches recognize dignitaries when they're, they show up. <laughs> yes, well, um, and that we do get it uh, another list at verse 7. And the group in verse 7 is the one that is apparently moving in the crowd while he's reading from the book of the law, giving them the sense so they understand the reading. So really? I don't know. Well, yeah, that's, that's the way what, it works, huh? That seems to be it. And I don't know if the implication might be that the people might not understand the Hebrew anymore because it's, it's Aramaic and they, they're having a hard time oh, or oh. I don't know. I, I don't know. Or if they just, this is just, they're giving the sense of what it meant. Um, Maybe they have know. a ruler in their hand and they whack people on the knuckle and say, do you understand? Not paying you, attention. You, you getting the understanding here? <laughs> yes, you understand right. me? Are we clear? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, if I'm you grew sure up in a it. parochial school. I was about to say, because they all went to parochial school. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're, we're told this is the book of the law of Moses, so that could be anything up, any portion of up to including Genesis to Deuteronomy. So it could be all of it, or it could just be part of it. Okay. Um, I will say that weeping is the typical response to reading the book of Deuteronomy in the Bible. That's <laughs> uh-huh. that was Josh, that was Josh, yeah. or Josiah's response uh-huh. um, when they're confronted with the blessings of obedience and the and the curses of disobedience. Mm. People always are sort of convicted by that. Okay. Um, I, the, the, uh, I said, I had some issues with Nehemiah. I have some issues with both Ezra and Nehemiah because, um, the prophets of the rebuilding, the prophets of the, of post-exile are Haggai and Zechariah, though people Mm. often think of Ezra and Nehemiah as prophets. They're not, they don't get direct words from the Lord. They aren't speaking for God. Mm -hmm. Um, Ezra is a priest. Nehemiah Nehemiah was a governor prior to that, a cupbearer, which likely means that Nehemiah was a eunuch, which is something we don't talk a whole lot about. Oh. Um, to be a cupbearer to the king, is that, that usually requires a, a um, commitment of that sort. That's the best way to say that. Yeah, it may explain and, his attitude about Gentiles and their, some, well, of, some of their practices. <laughs> and see, that's, that's the issue I have, is that both Ezra and Nehemiah are are violently opposed to um, intermarriage, um, and right. and their solution to that is not to ensure uh, conversion, which is what has happened in the past. You know, when uh, Zipporah was a worshiper of Yahweh, she's welcomed into the mm-hmm. into the camp. When when her when uh, Jethro is a worshiper of Yahweh's welcome. When Ruth, the Moabite woman, commits to Yahweh, she's welcomed in. Mm-hmm. Ezra and Nehemiah's solution is get rid of the foreign women, divorce them, send them back to their parents. Yeah. And this would have resulted in certainly the death of the women and mm-hmm. many of the women and many of the children. <laughs> yeah. And, Some details. And, and, and all of this is in the name of, and I guess the best way to say this is all of this is in the name of quality control. All mm. of this is in the name of making sure that you don't have yes. fake conversions. Mm. And, and so I'm all. I, I get the reason for this. I, I realize it was politically expedient. Mm-hmm. I realize that it was it was efficient, but I'm troubled by the fact that it was never ordered by God. Okay, and, and people read it <laughs> yes. as though it was. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. that, that's I guess what bugs me. Yeah, um, it's hard enough dealing with some of the carnage that seems to be uh, right. <laughs> directed <laughs> by God. The right. el- the elective carnage is like, do we really need that? Right. And so so I have issues with the, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, not in what they say, but in how they have been used is probably a better way to do it. 
Right. But right, right, uh, right. but obviously this is not something I have a problem with. Ezra reading the the book of the law to the people. We do, as I said, one of the changes, I said this a while back, like many months ago, one of the changes you see in Israel after the exile is a renewed emphasis on the law, on the Torah, what it says. Um, and yeah. th- this means that you have uh, a new vocation. If you want to know what it says, you have to have copies of it. And so Ezra is the scribe who is he's he's the he's the uber scribe he's the scribe that all yeah. the other scribes mm-hmm. want to be mm-hmm. um for the, he's been for the most part for for the most part <laughs> he's been called well i'm sure that other scribes would have no problem with this position at all um <laughs> he has some history that they probably don't yeah want. he uh yeah the the um he's been called the father of modern judaism in fact many people wonder if this um this is a liturgical sentence here that he opens the book. The people stand up. Um, mm-hmm. They say, truly, truly, uh, they lift their hands. They bow their heads. They worship that this is not part of the liturgy of synagogue. Um, but it was so funny oh, because wow. I was, there was some, I can't remember when I read this, but it was some commentary saying, of course, you know, there are elements of this that are missing from what we know in the New Testament uh, synagogue worship, but it was 400 years and perhaps their worship changed a little. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I was like, well, thanks, <laughs> thanks for giving them that freedom to, to maybe do some different things in 400 years. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 400 years, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Twice as long as our country's been around. Might, you know? might, have, might have changed a little. Yep, um, could happen. Well, that's Possibly. the thing. Yeah, that's that. And, and, and a lot of our understanding of uh, the first century sometimes comes from second and third generation uh, rabbinic right. texts. So, right. Uh, I should say second and third uh, century rabbinic texts. So, mm-hmm. that, yeah, things can change. <laughs> right. Things right. can change. But uh, it is interesting to see this as sort of a worship service. And there were... Um, there, I've never seen anyone flesh it out, but I really, just because most of the time Old Testament and New Testament people aren't friends with one another, but mm-hmm. I wonder <laughs> what the connection between, in verse 6, amen, amen, and Jesus opening all of his sentences with truly, truly, I say. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like that's that's got to be, because, you know, amen, amen is truly, truly, or verily, verily, yeah. um, or I yeah. tell you the truth, or however mm-hmm. you want to translate that. Um I wonder what the connection is between that and those sayings of Jesus in the New Testament, him opening those sayings with that. Um, if this is preceding Torah here, I mean, is, I don't know. Is this I, before or after they heard the This is Torah. before they've heard. Oh, okay. They, we, we went back in time. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. So. And of course, he does that in mainly in John. And you'll find people talk about it. They call them dominical uh, sayings. It kind of elevates it it elevates the authority of what he's, mm-hmm. what he's saying. So I don't know. I don't know. Repetition is such a common, uh, yes. Um, I don't know tool, I should say that's mm-hmm. used in different ways, but I think it's in, oh, typically intensifying, you know, that's pretty right. safe ground. <laughs> amen. And, it, and amen. Okay. It's connected. It's connected here. It's the fact of its connection with Torah and Jesus is saying it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I yeah. just I find that. Yeah. Well, no. When they talk about it in in the Gospels, uh, mm-hmm. it's like it's elevating it to like lo- this is the the word of the oh, Lord okay. sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. It's elevated okay. elevated to. It's kind of in that direction. Like wow, hear this now. Hear this. Yeah. Yeah. So. But um, yeah, that's Nehemiah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How was it? We laughed. We cried. We yeah. stood a long mm-hmm. time. <laughs> we ate fat and sweet people, wine. You know, people complain about the length of worship services, but I can't imagine standing while you read the book of the law. I mean, in one morning you couldn't do all of it. So I, I still wonder what part. Could you could you do Deuteronomy? In maybe a, in between breakfast and lunch, maybe. Yeah, I, I wonder. You maybe could. Yeah, yeah you maybe oh. could. Wow, that would be mm-hmm. something. That's a lot. That's a that lot. A lot. That's kind of a recap. Let's recap. <laughs> Right. For four hours. Hmm. Mm. Well, these are hardy people. <laughs> and the king the king was supposed to have that done every day to remind him of his commitments. Every the, day. The law oh, every yeah, day. yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought he like wrote it out and I didn't know he'd read the whole thing every day. But... He was supposed to read it. Yeah, Deuteronomy seventeen is supposed to wow. king's supposed to have that read every day to him. Start so your day. Okay. Who's in charge and who isn't. Mm-hmm. And that's why they never did it. <laughs> and that's why Yeah. Yeah, fifteen minute security briefing, six hours for Deuteronomy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, wow, working on the schedule there. Hmm. 
So, yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. When you, I, I didn't, I didn't really think about the fact that they're they're not prophets, but they're certainly in, interpreting mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. emphasizing something. And this is a time well, of re, reaction. You know, it's a reaction it, against yeah. recent history, right? It is. It absolutely is. And the fact that they are priests and their responsibility is to make sure the people are holy before God, mm-hmm. I have no doubt covers colors their interpretation at that point. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the getting rid of that which is unclean is an is a natural priest move there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the prophets are the ones who tend to be more inclusive and welcoming in that regard. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let's err on the side of rigor here. Right. Let's, right. Let's That's... not err, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean when we when we talk uh, when I t- take a class and we read uh, the the Lord's Supper text in Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, and always we always read the middle paragraph typically in churches mm-hmm. and the first paragraph and the and the last paragraph are dealing with what's what's the context? There's never any context. Right. And then the last paragraph is like is this new stuff? What's this about people dying and getting mm-hmm. sick? And so you don't often hear that read in churches, but you hear a little commentary on that as many traditions who don't have any theological basis for it err on the side of exclusion. Right. right. And uh, it's, it sends really interesting mixed messages <laughs> to yes, our, Christian, exactly right. our Christian gathering. Yeah. So... Yeah, erring on the side of—I don't think erring on the side of rigor is better than. than no, but that is way. certainly Ezra and Nehemiah's concern. Yeah, you know we're yeah. gonna fence this law in mm-hmm. so well that mm-hmm. nobody can get to it. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus had some things to say about those who just it, it, load people down with uh, requirements and don't lift a familiar. finger. <laughs> yeah. Felt yeah. Familiar. Yeah. Well, as as we've celebrated the law, let's celebrate the law in Psalm 19. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing to say about walls or anything here, so we'll just move on to <laughs> Psalm 19. I was just being res- restrained there, so. Yes. All right. Well, that was obvious. It's my known for that. All right. Here's uh, all of Psalm 19. Uh, please stand and uh, <laughs> and if you must weep, weep quietly. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> While the nuns pass by <laughs> with their rulers. Whack you to help you interpret this. <laughs> the heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. I think we've done this, and I thought, of course, we, yes, he's naturally. I, I need. Do I even need to say this? No. <laughs> Obvious. <laughs> Obvious. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant be made sticky. No, oh, no sorry, no, your, no. your servant warned. 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 This darn yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, artificial intelligence trying to guess the next word I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Yes. All right. So uh, we've joked several times. Yes. You know, sometimes there's one psalm. Yeah. Some, this could uh-huh. be two. Mm-hmm. This one's three. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone agrees this is three psalms, um, though some agree that 
so, some you know, you know scholars, right? Some think no, no, it's probably written yeah. as one. Yeah, you know, it's like okay, let's do a concept well, album where we have all these, <laughs> right? <laughs> jam all these psalms together. This is, I mean, some have called this a delight, and I do love Psalm 19, and mm-hmm. some have called it a uh, uh, the problem child of the Book of Psalms. Um, it's only a problem if you need to attach a, a single genre to it, mm-hmm. um, if because you've got you know one through six is a creation hymn. Um, seven through 11 is a Torah Psalm mm-hmm. and uh, 12 through 14 is a prayer of penitence. Uh, um, yes. And so, so what is it? Well, you know what? It's all three now. That's what we've got. Uh, we've got, and that's kind of always, I, I've always been sort of a text eminent guy. Um, at least in this regard that this is the text we have. So mm-hmm. let's read the text we have. We can spend more time breaking it up if you want, but mm-hmm. This is this is what we got. Yeah. Um, uh, we've talked about this one before, but it's it. You know, I'll say it again. The first, it's interesting that when we talk about creation, uh, we only talk about God in general terms. Uh, he is Elohim. He's not uh, yes. Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, so our our spiritual but not religious guy might be able to get a sense of God, mm-hmm. but he's not going to understand Yahweh. No. Um, I also, I think, and this struck me this time, how many different words are used for talking in the first couple of verses? Yeah. Uh, the heavens are telling, firmament proclaims, it pours forth speech, and the night to night declares. Those are all four different words in Hebrew, so I'm glad they did that in English as well. Mm-hmm. And and then saying, of course, but they don't really but, talk. Yeah, but they, they're like talking <laughs> metaphor. Yeah. yeah. A, and that moment to remind you that it is a metaphor. Um, the sun is is obviously celebrated in verse four and five and six. Um, and, and I think probably this is in the context of, I'm, I'm willing to say this is an early Psalm. And I think it's probably in the context of other religions that are strong nature worshiping religions mm. where the sun is worshiped. Um, in fact, you know, even in Israel, there's a town, Bet Shemesh, the house of the sun. Ah. Um, the sun was the, the, the sun was the um uh, by in in fact in Egypt and in in uh the Levant uh the the judge of justice it was it was a, a measure of justice mm. um it was and and so there's a pun where is that pun uh verse 6 nothing hides from its heat mm-hmm. um that is also a word for judgment there oh uh, oh that which is interesting um and so i think that this celebration of the sun is highlighting, yeah, the sun is big and neat and special, mm-hmm. but it is proclaiming unto God. Um, yeah, the how it, it is a created thing. It is not a, it is not a god in and of itself. So I think that that uh, okay that it's not it's not supreme, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I I think that's that's tied to that as well. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of These what people else. Have obviously, was never spent a, a mid uh, a winter in the Midwest. <laughs> these are these are not reformed people who settled around the Great Lakes. No, no, yeah. that's true. The further you get from the water, the worse the winter is. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the salt water, the oceans is what I and mean. the equator. Yeah, yeah, both of those things are true. Yeah. Um, then after this, you know, getting your mind right regarding creation, we move into Torah, which is where you do get an understanding of who God is. Um, I just want to say inter- that's a potential sermon series for you, getting your mind right <laughs> regarding creation. Get your creation. mind right, yeah, regarding creation. That's, <laughs> Maybe that's, not a series. Okay. Um, I do think it's interesting that the Lord in this is always in, in the in the next few verses, six, let's see, seven, eight, mm-hmm. and nine, every time it occurs, it's in construct. It's the law of the Lord, the decrees of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and the ordinance of the Lord. Mm. So... Um, and all of those are the same. And I think I've mentioned before, this is to me the place where you get a good definition of what fear of the Lord is. Uh, fear of the Lord is Torah. Okay. Fear of the Lord is recognizing that God is the one who gives instruction for life and that following God's instruction is how you demonstrate fear of the Lord. And mm-hmm. uh, not and and deciding to do things your own way is when you don't fear the Lord. And so it's, it's, it's all poetically expressed here that fear of the Lord is Torah. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the other time, the one other time Yahweh is used in this psalm is verse 14, and there it's used as an address. Um, uh, may the be acceptable to you. Okay. Oh, by the way, acceptable there is a, a word that's used in both Leviticus and in Exodus. It's regard to sacrifice. 
Uh, so this is a oh, okay. this is literally is asking God for uh, the prayer and the meditation, the song to be a, a an acceptable sacrifice. Okay, almost a living sacrifice. To think, you know, like Romans twelve here. This is a that's interesting. The, the psalmist is asking for this meditation and this all to be a hmm. uh, to that. Uh, uh, my rock and redeemer. I that's really neat to me that in all of the ways in which God is celebrated, it's finished with God as family. Um, the mm-hmm. word redeemer goel is, uh, uh okay. that kinsman redeemer who is responsible for the family to, to take care of them if they end up in debt and, <laughs> and provide for them. And so in all of this celebration of Torah and the celebration of the son, the Psalm finishes with, uh, Yahweh as a family member, okay. um, which is just beautiful. Interesting. Um, yeah. So. So it is a it is a movement. This psalm, you know, uh-huh. look how amazing creation is, and mm-hmm. we learn who God is, and mm-hmm. then we know exactly what God wants, and it convicts us of our own errors and and our own hidden faults, and so we cry out in submission to God and ask for forgiveness and and ask God to make us acceptable and and because He is our Redeemer, our mm-hmm. our kinsman. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful psalm when you put it all together. That's interesting. So, so I was really during... struck this time through by the first psalm in Psalm nineteen. Uh, yes. On creation, uh, I just yeah. started reading a book, so I'm I'm just I'm barely into uh, the first <laughs> chapter. It's uh, called God's Wider Presence by uh, Robert K. Johnson, who does uh, a mm-hmm. lot with film and theology at Fuller, and it's on general revelation, which is oh okay, an interesting. Uh, I mean, he he and I share so many similar interests. Talk about um. Um, he does a lot with with film and theology and uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the arts and theology and and he is backing up and saying you know we really uh, and I do this discredit general revelation and yes. and there's all these and yet we all have stories in fact I, yes. I just did this exercise in my Sunday school class and it's like the amazing stories about um, whether one was a Christian or not but some sort of experience of a of a God's uh, comfort or call or, mm-hmm. or revelation of himself to someone uh, in the midst of uh, unexpected circumstances or uh, hearing a song or being in nature or watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying, maybe we shouldn't uh, discount this. We shouldn't, we shouldn't rush past this mm. to the, um, the scriptural, you know, revelation right. uh, or discount that particularly as we're moving into the postmodern era um, mm. where people are, um, um, he talks about, and I, I'm not conversant with this language of theology, but they talk about the, uh, the, the three transcendentals, they call it goodness, uh, truth, and beauty. And he was saying we 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 might exclusively preach truth, um, or you could say something comes from the Reformation. This is not unlike Ezra Nehemiah, but refocusing on the on uh, mm-hmm. Deuteronomy, you know, a rearticulation, yeah. recommitment to the law. Um, but he's ta- he's tracking church recent ch- recent church history with uh, with the coming out of the World Wars, how there was kind of a shift toward goodness, God's goodness, but mm-hmm. and the shift into the postmodernity. Uh, postmoderns might have their initial uh, revelation or connection to God through beauty is what we're realizing mm-hmm. uh, or what we're seeing. I don't, I don't know how far we are in this conversation, but there right, are right. certainly churches and congregations who are trying to reach these people and they're finding that beauty uh, yeah. um, is, is one way to do it. In fact, I had this, uh, an online uh, exchange with um Ian Simpkins mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. and I recommended this book before. I said I just got this book. Now I'm just getting around to reading. It. I know he's doing things with <laughs> Beauty in the Common. Beauty in the Common. I don't know yeah. how much of that is influenced by that. I know he was already thinking about this stuff, and mm-hmm. I direct him this direction. I'm finally getting around to reading it. Um, it's it's fascinating. You know, it's such yeah. a it's such a common thing, and it's it's often we quickly dis, uh, disregard it, yeah. and 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 we end that conversation that we might have with people who have a revelation from God. They have a, right. their foot is in the door and we're slamming the door on that right. experience. Yeah. It's, it's funny. There's a, a, I think I told you about this. We've, we may have talked about this a couple of years ago, but there's a, a show, maybe the last time we did Psalm 19, I don't know. There was a show on um, Discovery Channel. It was this reality show. And I think you've mentioned it before called The Monastery. Oh, and I've heard of it, um, but I have, I have not seen that. It wasn't me. They had it was uh, the Abbey of Gethsemane. I'm sorry, it was not the Abbey of Gethsemane. It was the Monastery of Christ in the Desert mm. in New Mexico. 
and my wife had actually spent a, a spiritual retreat at this at this monastery, and uh. so she it was so it was beautiful. For, you know, she liked the show because you know they show the area and the mesas uh-huh. and yeah. and all these people that she met at the monastery are are in the television show, the, uh-huh. the abbots and others. Oh, okay. And uh, and so the idea, the premise for this reality show was they took these five guys. Um, in various stages of faith, I mean, there was the the Iraqi war vet, there was the drug addict, there was the drug dealer who had been both who had been in jail uh-huh. that was released now, trying uh-huh. to put his life back together. Uh, there was the Episcopalian seminary student, um, and they all were you know supposed to just practice the rule of Saint Benedict with them uh-huh. to see if just the act of practice would have a shape on their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was an interesting premise, I thought. But um, what was what one thing that happened in it, and this gets me to the telling of all this story, is that um, the, the one atheist Iraqi war vet who's you know had no interest in this at all was mm-hmm. talking to the abbot, and the abbot was was trying to to get him to acknowledge something beyond himself, mm-hmm. and and you know ever had the kind of what you're talking about this moment you yeah. know this and he was only ever talking in the words of general revelation mm-hmm. so the seminary student was meeting with the abbot because and i was actually on the side of the seminary student i remember watching it going well he's not getting him any place yeah. i mean he's just speaking uh-huh. in such vague uh-huh. you know generalities yeah. well you know god can be you know whomever she whatever she uh-huh. she uh-huh. you know it yeah. whatever you define god as yeah. And the Episcopalian was sort of calling out the abbot saying, you know, you've got, you know, there's no mention of Jesus in your conversation. There's no mention of God in your conversation. I mean, what are you doing with this guy? And the abbot looks at him and says, this person is not able to see beyond himself at all. He's Mm -hmm. got his own self completely in view. Mm -hmm. If I can widen his vision enough to acknowledge there might be more. Uh-huh. Then maybe we can get our foot in the door and talk about somebody's. He's not ready to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And I remember I looked at Cindy and I said, "Hey, that abbot knows more about being an abbot than I do." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> who, who saw that coming? This does so, not sound like a reality show. I'm just saying. It sounds yeah. like there's some bunch of wisdom and interesting people and it, it, real, it real was, life issues. There really was, and, and wow. you know the the Episcopalian leaves and is in a good place, and and the I think the drug dealer um, actually came to a place of faith. The drug addict. I'm going to be the re- best drug dealer I can be. Uh, no, he was better. He <laughs> was better. He was much better. Uh, and the the Iraqi war vet stole a truck and went to the city, and they never saw him again. So I don't. Know. Oh, <laughs> pretty much. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, he he had some issues. That guy. Oh, okay. So, All right. Yeah. Wow, that sounds interesting. So, I, that wasn't me. I, I I'd heard of that, but I didn't know much about that. So. And yeah, that they, was like they, worth watching. They had said. I mean, people who knew them said that you know, obviously they they were trying to get a TV show out of it, and mm-hmm. and they were doing what they could. But the 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 monks were they were good sports about it. They tried to make the best of that entire experience. Okay. It was it was interesting. <laughs> they're they're reaching out to the people making the TV show. Be, yeah. Beneath the uh the the drug dealer and the uh the uh, Iraqi war vet are the the people from Hollywood who are who are right. really trying to reach. <laughs> right. Right. Uh that's a, such yeah. a stereotype. That's not true about Hollywood. But <laughs> it, it is it, it is interesting when you, every everyone we meet Typically has a story like this, yes, and, and and it seems like God's always doing this, and we are always saying, pff, pff, "Please, yeah, right, yeah, come right. on, you know." Let me tell you about Jesus, maybe. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about God. <laughs> yeah, right, or whoever. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is a. Uh, it, it's a common. It's a common um, theme. I mean, how common is it in Scripture to talk about? Yeah, creation is revelation. I saw something weird. I know we're running long, but I, I saw a, rev- right. a review um, in the uh, the review of biblical literature. You know, they're reviewing mm-hmm. books, and one's one's on. Um, it's all about the water, you know, and all about the themes mm-hmm. of water and the the creation that lives in water. It's it's gathering all the text and it's talking about uh, these sorts of things, God's wider uh, mm-hmm. revelation, but also uh, humankind's place in it that uh, we're mm-hmm. not at the center. You know, here's this mm-hmm. whole talk about a place where there's life and where you have nothing to do with it. Yeah. The whole ocean, you know, the whole ocean that we only see the surface of. There's this whole world out there. It's like we're not at the mm-hmm. center of this. It's a it's an interesting reflection on the that that very prevalent theme uh, mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Well, so. water was always life. 
in the ancient mm-hmm. Near East. I mean, anytime you found a spring anywhere, there was a temple dedicated to some god someplace. I mean, it didn't matter where it was. I mean, it's okay. mm-hmm. 2,000 feet up on, on top of En Gedi in the middle of the Negev, and there's this calcolithic temple there because there's a spring up there. Oh. And so the water couldn't be here if it wasn't for God. So yeah. know, water water was it so but it is i mean this psalm to bring it back to the psalm Mm -hmm. it it is kind of what you were talking about i mean you've got this general revelation to the more Mm -hmm. specific to the how that affects me yeah um which is actually a journey of faith for people yeah um yeah that that, that's how it can happen i think so i i I like the uh the reading these together that there's a we're we're meant to connect the dots and we a lot of great songwriting does this like Mm -hmm. it's not going the power of this is that you connect this, you, yeah. you connect this trajectory. So yeah. that's, that's probably why we resonate with this psalm. Probably. All right, we better skedaddle We here. probably ought to go to the New Testament, huh? Yeah. Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today. First Corinthians, see, I'm just, I like it when the psalm takes a while. It just makes yeah. me feel good. First Corinthians 12, 12 to 31a. So well, this is all we're going to have time for. I just have time to read it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slaves or free, and we were made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the, sen- where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this, but God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member." that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret... I'm assuming the answer is no there. Yeah, yeah, rhetorical. Uh, but strive for the greater gifts. All right. Uh, oh, and that's where it ends. Okay. That's I've where got, it ends, yeah. I've got this uh, lectionary that always finishes every verse, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the uh, the balance is I will show you the still more excellent way. So that would, yeah, that would kind of deflate that. So, yeah, this is uh, that theme of unity and diversity that uh, we touched on last week. Um, and we do probably have a congregation that is uh, into um, ranking and, and hierarchies, and that's mm-hmm. probably not Paul's point at the end, although in other places he will mm-hmm. uh, imply that the, uh, the, the supremacy of apostles and, and prophets. Uh, that There's such a random—this is such a random list that doesn't seem to be— yeah. His uh, controlling uh, principle well, here. It does seem to be important, though, that tongues is last and and in both yeah. of those lists. Yeah, I rhetorically. Mean, that's significant. Yeah, yeah. And it might be that the, the ranking here is in terms of uh, the benefit to uh, to others. Uh, or, the, or the misappropriation by Corinth. Um, the misappropriation of— Well, of, in that of, sense that of them valuing, say, yeah. tongues greater than anything else. Right, and, right, right, and right. Paul saying, well, actually, apostles, and then we'll get to tongues, mm-hmm. you know, down yeah, the and, list. Yeah, and he'll kind of unpack this on the other side of 13. Right, um, right. In terms of intelligibility and mm. uh, the profitability for the congregation. So that may be the controlling principle of uh, this list, which he hasn't really um, 
explicated where, where he's going with that. Although supreme would be um, how you exercise these things and the motivation of, of love that's coming. Love. Yeah. Spoiled. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. I don't even know if we're going to continue in Corinthians or not into there, but. Uh, we are. Uh, into 13? I think I, I so. Okay. Okay. So. I'll double check. Uh, more to come on that. Yeah, I guess I could just scroll down. But uh, true, true diversity, and uh, and yet for the purpose of unity, and and uh, a body is a is sometimes used in political and philosophical discourse. Uh, might be, I mean, some some early examples would be to simply hold down the the masses who are mm-hmm. who the the person espousing this might actually think they're lesser, and it's just simply a way of control. But um, other philosophers really say that no, there's a lot of truth in that, and expound upon this. So it's a it's a uh, um, readily available and uh, lived experience that people know. You know, if one member is, if if one member of your body is suffering, every you suffer. You know, it's not a, mm-hmm. it's not uh, uh, in any way um, disconnected. So it is, um, yeah. It's a it's a great illustration and uh, can be taken in in so many different directions. One thing that would, uh, one of the sources I was reading would be kind of blow away a, say a typical uh, synagogue or earlier um, tradition of Judaism is like all these miraculous gifts in one group of people, these things that are, Mm -hmm. that are really thought of as rare throughout the history of uh, uh, the people of God. Now you've got this abundance. uh, Mm -hmm. You've got all these, the the potential for miracle and prophecy in Mm -hmm. one people of God. This is, uh, this is kind of me um, gravitating toward the extraordinary nature of the spirit moving Mm -hmm. in the, in the Mm -hmm. congregation, as I was talking about last time. And the, the, uh, the wealth of, uh, of gifts here is just extraordinary. When you, when you think about, when you contrast it with, uh, People's yeah. experience with God—it's like wow. Mm-hmm. You can see why Paul says, "You know, did you have this? Did you have this experience with the Spirit through the law, or did it come through mm-hmm. through Christ?" So, um, this is a congregation that's gone in unprofitable ways with it, but really a great illustration of man, the Spirit, the Spirit in the in the these communities uh, of of Jesus followers is is, is amazing. You know, it's yeah, just amazing. It's dynamic. Yeah, it is. It really is. There's something going on here. I imagine if you showed up, you go, something's going on here with these people. Yeah, something's happening here. Tell me more. So that's all I'll say this week. It is It is amazing when you're around that. I mean, I, I think I mentioned on this podcast before that uh, I have several friends in Lawndale and, and just going down there and worshiping with them and seeing the way in which they found ways to transform this West Chicago mm-hmm. impoverished area into... They call it the Lawndale Miracle. I mean, mm-hmm. they've, they've redeemed so much that, you know, I've said many times that I just want to stand near them so I can get splashed with a little yeah. bit of the spirit, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's yes. happening and mm-hmm. something happening in that place. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing. They're, they're wonderful people down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is an extraordinary thing to see God working through mm-hmm. uh, a congregation or in the midst of a a group of people. Yeah. I mean that's where I that's where I got myself plugged into the hip hop community there in the west side of Chicago and Uh huh. Well that's really early when you got here. How did you get was. plugged in there? I, I through Northern. Uh, oh, Northern yeah. Seminary okay. asked if I'd teach a intro to the Bible class down there and I right. said sure. Right. Um and boy that was fun. Yeah. Uh, I they 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 were amazing and, and uh so hungry for scripture and, and so Wonderful. I mean, we had some wonderful intercultural conversations about the way that the African American community had read certain passages versus the way that that I had read certain passages, mm-hmm. and yeah. just a great conversation um, with them down there. And 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 just you could see the spirit move. And and if you'd like to know more about that community, let me recommend the book uh, <laughs> "Real Hope in Chicago" by Wayne Gordon. And it only takes you up to about ten years ago, and they've done some amazing things since then. But um, that started in 1975 or 76 mm-hmm. and just, a just a really neat transformative urban. I mean, it's, this is the group that started the CCDA, the Christian community development association with John uh, Perkins and others. They, uh, okay. Yeah. This, this grew out of that work and, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing group down there. That's great. That's amazing. It really is. 
I'm thinking about this weekend. We have our uh, exchange. We uh, oh yeah, and with second, second Baptist. Second Baptist. Yeah. Thinking of thinking of lively congregations. They come and yes. preach and sing in our church, and we go to their church and do the same. So. Yeah, it's uh, hopefully it's mutually beneficial. Yeah. I know we tre- we tremendously benefit from uh, yeah. that that uh, that sort of exchange. So, yeah, dynamic God's people when God shows up, and to feel the loss of, I mean, t- for the body of Christ to have the same concern that your physical body does in this to to me yeah. has always been mm-hmm. a powerful, okay, powerful yeah. parable. You know, to think of a member in your congregation hurting and yeah. that to to cause the focus of the body of Christ the way that when one part of your body is hurting causes your focus, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that unfortunately verse 26 is not realized as much as I'd love to see it realized. Yeah. Um, yes. We tend to be very individualistic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Boy. And what it means for, for someone to come alongside you and empathize. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It, it doesn't sound like that would do anything, but that mm-hmm. does everything. It does. If you've been there and you've either, not had that, or you've had mm-hmm. that, it's like, oh my goodness, what, what an extraordinary uh, gift that is, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to suffer with someone as a yes. gift. That is yes. a, I never really thought about that as a spiritual gift, but wow. Oh, it truly is. certainly I mean, be that's experienced as such. Something that I have learned through a chaplain wife of mine. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, the mm-hmm. power of suffering with, or, or Nicholas Volterstorff's um, book, Lament for a Son, which I've listed as that one of the four books that changed my life. And, and him saying, I don't want you to tell me that it'll be okay. I don't want you to tell me where God is. I, in fact, I don't want you to tell me anything. He said, mm-hmm. if you want to help, you're allowed to sit on my morning bench. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And just that, that will help more than anything. And it is yeah, that, that coming and sitting on my morning bench has become sort of a shorthand for or what it is to do pastoral care. Just be there. Mm. Just be present. Mm. So. Hmm. Boy, as you mentioned that, it makes me realize that there's another area where we, uh, uh, I'm connected to the creation where God communicates sure. something uh, at a death, you know? Oh, yes. And uh, we've prepackaged the people's understanding of that often and, and mm-hmm. uh, have ways of uh, telling that. But the people experience something when, when uh, at the death of a loved one, and and things are different, and there's this there's this openness to to be, things beyond themselves. You know, yeah. I, I, the, I think what probably a lot that Cindy gets out of that is yeah. what the the space that the families are in, or those mm-hmm. uh, those loved mm-hmm. ones around the person who's dying or has died. That there's something really radically different about it, something mm-hmm. I'd say revelatory about that um, that time in that space. That's, did you, do you, are you friends with uh, Steve Guthrie at Belmont? Um, no. On Facebook. Steve, Steve's a great guy. Steve uh, uh, led one of the searches for one of the times that I was turned down at Belmont. Ah. Um, I've been, <laughs> I kept, I kept getting closer and closer there for getting okay. a job and I never okay. did, never did get across the finish line. Mm-hmm. But uh, Steve is, uh, I think he's on sabbatical this semester and um, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. But he's spending some time in Scotland. You know, he went to St. Andrews for his PhD. He's, mm-hmm. He was a colleague of our, our theological friend. Um, and uh, Steve, Steve's going to Scotland, and his, he always posts these conversations he has with his daughters on Facebook. Oh. And, and he posted one today because today's the day they're leaving for Scotland. And, uh, and I have to, it's a little bit long, but you're okay. talking about what you get out of death, but mm-hmm. we're already going long today. So, yeah, yeah. um, Sophie says, uh, Papa, we go to Scotland today. And, uh, Steve says, I know. And Sophie says, I've been thinking about that. You know, going to Scotland is kind of like what it must be like to die. <laughs> and Steve said, really? How so? And Sophie says, well, because for a long time you've known that it's coming, but it never really seemed like it was going to arrive. But uh-huh. now you realize, yep, it's finally here. And even though you've known that it was going to happen, that it had to happen still now that it's here, it's hard to believe that it's actually happening to you. Oh, and wow. also, you know that you're going to miss your friends a lot and everything, but you also know that in a little while you're going to see them again. And and it's sad because you're leaving behind some place that you love, oh my. but still, 
But still, you know that you're headed to a much better place, and you know that the process of getting from one place to the other is going to be hard and maybe even a little scary, but that'll really be okay, and it'll be worth it. And lots of people you love will be right there by your side as you begin the journey, and you know that while it's been a really good life here, you have lots of good memories, and you feel grateful for the time that's passed at the same time. Steve says, okay, thank you. That's enough, sweetie. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he has his hands full with her. Without question, but both of them. Oh, my goodness. So wow! So Scotland is uh, realized the new heaven and the new earth. Most people didn't know that. So have so. you thought about this, sweetie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. My goodness! Um, so wow! The gifts of the spirit there to Ooh. bring us back. <laughs> oh my, that's amazing. That Seeing is amazing. the divine in the ordinary, it really yeah. was. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. You want to do Luke 4 before it gets completely away from us? Yeah, and we might have to abbreviate this a little bit, but we're going to finish this up. I'm going to hearken back to the first half, since we're going to read the first half of uh, of Homecoming Weekend for Jesus uh, at Nazareth. (laughs) Okay. Starts off so well. It does. Luke 4, 14 to 21. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Mm. When he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, and stood up to read. Uh, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord, quote, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, unquote. And he rolled the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Ooh. Snap. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is a um, this is right on the heels of Jesus returning from um, the, the temptation in the wilderness. And this is probably an event later in his ministry, and and Luke gives you indications that this is a flash forward mm-hmm. um, later, or right after this, he's going to go and heal, you know, Peter's mother-in-law. <laughs> we, and mm-hmm. then we have a meet, we don't meet Peter until the next chapter. Right. Uh, the people say, "Do here in our midst what you've been doing in Capernaum." Well, he hasn't mm-hmm. done anything in Capernaum, so there's a the motivation for having a. Uh, a scene like this, uh, or you might ask yourself, what's the, why, why mm-hmm. put this first? It's, it's to provide a lens for Jesus ministry. And I think we've read this text before. Um, but it is of all the occasions where you hear that Jesus is teaching in synagogues. This is the only, only time you hear the content of what he teaches. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. pretty important to actually hear, uh, what he's taught. In fact, I've actually stood in this synagogue, which has been rebuilt for tourists uh, in Nazareth. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty significant right there. Yeah, Uh, sure. (laughs) It's exactly like the tourist pictured it would be. Sure. So that's, uh, that helps. Uh, And he's reading from, um, it's primarily Isaiah 61, I believe, but there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of Isaiah 58 with the release language. So it's Mm -hmm. a a little bit of conflation. Both of those texts were thought to be... um, talking about, uh, they call them, well, you might say jubilatory. They're mm-hmm. reflecting on the ju- uh, the jubilee legislation as pointing toward God's ultimate salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great text. You think about jubilee and how profound effect that has on society, <laughs> should they have ever practiced that. If they actually paid yeah, attention to yeah. it, yes. That when you think about that as a, um, a pointing toward God's salvation— uh, it really underscores the the social um, ramifications of salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you mm-hmm. if you think about uh, jubilee, and uh, that is a probably no better text for um, uh, kind of a Magna Carta sort of uh, statement for Jesus' ministry or mission statement, literally, mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. a mission statement to uh, say. Here's um here's what he's discerned in the wilderness. Here's uh mm-hmm. here's the alternative to those um um ways of living out uh, what it means to be messiahs that were offered to him in the in the wilderness, you know. Mm-hmm. Um um 
and it's not fully clear, but this will be unpacked as you as you go forward. Um, and it is good news for the poor. Um, we'll need to think of more about this as we go through Luke. Uh, who are the poor? It's not primarily an economic category, although there's certainly um, economic impact of of being mm-hmm. poor in a in a status and honor society, a purity, uh, a religious and ethnic uh, purity sort of society. Um, what does it mean to be poor in that society? And there's usually some way, different ways you're marginalized in terms of mm-hmm. race or gender or class or purity or age or, you know, mm-hmm. go down the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as people used to look at this, not not too distant past before being sensitive to social literary readings, is that uh, if we read the, the narrative continuity of Luke Acts, where do we see this theme of poor uh, continue? Mm-hmm. Is this really something that's a, a trajectory that's going to carry through in both Jesus and um, the Church's mission? Because you mm-hmm. don't see a lot of interaction with economically um, deprived people, necessarily. And uh, that's that highlights the fact that we're not thinking about poor properly. If we're thinking about mm poor as uh, within Israel, all the ways that you might be marginalized, how a, a very small fraction of people are really uh, fully in insiders in, mm-hmm. in Judaism. Even in Israel, uh, many people are discounted as not possibly living up to the level of purity that uh, um, the people who are legislating these sorts of things uh, are, are uh, holding out in front of them. Um, you see Jesus interacting with people who, who are uh, kind of generically referred to as sinners, mm-hmm. and that typically means in this context people who aren't in our group, okay, right. for for various means, and uh, but uh, highlighted as uh, prostitutes and um, uh, tax collectors and uh, uh, people who are impure because of a vocation or other life circumstances. Um, mm-hmm. I would include if I was teaching this in undergraduate, I'd include freshmen in that oh, sure. category. Sure. That usually gets people awake if I throw that in the list. Um, that is good news to those people that those people who are outsiders, even in the people of God, they're not really participating. They're on the margins, so they've been they're kind of out of the game. Those you continually see Jesus ministering to those kinds of people, and uh, they're, they, a dimension of their salvation is that they're restored to their community. In fact, many of the um, miracles that Jesus does become a background for that uh, that social impact of their salvation mm-hmm. and how they're restored to their communities. And I'm sure we'll have occasion to uh, highlight that as we go through Luke uh, this year. So uh, we need to keep our eye on that. What does it mean to be, uh, what, is, what is good news to the poor? Who, who, who are the poor? Um, what is it, what kinds of release is he talking about here? Um, release to the captives. Um Recover of sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free. You have a whole range of ways that Jesus is releasing people from releasing from sin, releasing people from cycles of obligation in a patron-client relationship, uh, release from bondage to Satan, release from uh, being socially marginalized, release from mm-hmm. physical uh, in- incapability or purity issues. So it's very interesting to um, think about the Jubilee legislation and all the different ways that that, that kind of restored people to um, God's intention for this this people, this distinctive people that he's calling mm-hmm. out of, of Egypt. And um, he only reads the first half of um, Isaiah 61, 2, I think. Uh, the, the second half is uh, to proclaim the year of his Lord's favor, and the second half is in the day of his vengeance. Right. Uh, stopping and, and rolling up the scroll at that point, since everyone knows what the rest of the verse says mm-hmm. that's part of the sermon right there uh it's also it's part it of the also, reason they get mad too well yeah and he's gonna expo- <laughs> he's gonna explain that yeah yeah uh the insiders well the, the the people who aren't poor the people who are inside often react uh against these people being included and that's really mm-hmm. gonna be unpacked in the second half of this because there's a there's a progression. There's a uh, the careful reader will notice the nuance between all people praising Jesus and then wanting to throw him off a cliff. You'll notice, right? There's that's there's a, that's there's a transition, trite difference there. If you are paying attention, mm-hmm. so um, the implications are to be uh, unfolded 
in in the second half. Um, it does emphasize Jesus' teaching here. He's coming in, um, and he began to teach in their synagogues. That's a really important aspect of Luke. It mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't minimize the uh, the miracles, but it is interesting how often the miracles are the backdrop for the teaching, or they reinforce the teaching somehow. They do meet a concrete human needs of suffering, but they're emblematic of something even bigger that might be less obvious. So Jesus will take occasion to say, what, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or take up your mat and walk? You know, mm-hmm. Those are related. Mm-hmm. Those are both things that this person needs. Right. But so that you can understand that the Son of Man forgives sins— you know, I'm gonna mm, I'm gonna highlight heal this, this healing this way, you know, so that yeah. you get get both of those. So it is uh it's very interesting. Uh it is a natural sort of chiasm standing up, uh walking forward, un, un unraveling the scroll and then reading, and then rolling it back up and sitting down. What's left out there is he's uh the correspondence to reading is the teaching. What does it mean? You know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. just like we read in Nehemiah, there's the reading, and then there's the giving the meaning. Yeah. And so you are, are kind of left hanging. It's like, oh, he sat back down. There's more to come. The mm-hmm. teaching. And uh, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is not a flat reading of scripture. He is not simply reading all of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing we might get from that, um, that exchange with uh, the adversary in the wilderness is that, a flat reading of scripture is not adequate for understanding right. and aligning yourself with God's uh, purpose and saving mission. Uh, that needs to be discerned through the spirit. Um, and there's this dialectic with the, the scriptures. They're not kind of adequate in and of themselves. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a back and forth that the spirit helps you understand how to read scripture and scripture clarifies the nature of God's call and mission, but mm-hmm. it's not a, a flat reading that all things are emphasized the same uh, as you, it's, it's as you read a, scripture. It's, right. It's not a, a, a God said it, I believe it, that settles it uh-huh. yeah. all the way through the text. Yeah. And because that's yeah. always, because the people who say that are, are very selective and yes. what they, what they're focusing on, what God says. So um, the only time a flat reading of scripture is, is brought up is to usually to counter someone. I'm going to find mm-hmm. this footnote from somewhere to, to right. counter what you seem to be passionate about. Uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, and, and, and of course, we see this in the exchanges Jesus has with teachers, like, what's the greatest commandment? Those sorts of right. things. Like, w- uh, there doesn't seem to be the presence of just, like, this is a list, and we got to get through this whole list. It's like, that's mm-hmm. not exactly how people read Scripture. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any evidence of that in Scripture no. in either Testament. So um, No, the Scripture seems to reflect a very real understanding of the way people use Scripture. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. It's helpful in that in that regard. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and looking at uh, how people actually use scripture can be helpful for understanding scripture. Yeah. That, that's think, just crazy enough to work. Yeah, that just that's so crazy it might just work. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully this will all go well and people will embrace this. Oh, yeah, and, I would and think so. This will be a great Let's weekend for Jesus. T- tune in next week to find <laughs> out homecoming. As I was beginning to chew on this as a as a homecoming text, I'm thinking. Well, you know, you know, my mind's not linear. I was thinking about Carrie, the movie Carrie. Did she ever go to her? <laughs> think she ever went to her homecoming, her reunions? <laughs> if she did, did anyone else go? Oh boy! Oh. All right, leave <laughs> leave you with that thought, chew on. <laughs> well, hope that uh, we've given you something this week. Uh, hope that you've gleaned something. Hope that uh, you will like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, um, send us an email, send us a message, leave a review on iTunes. Um, yep. Anything else I'm missing there? I think do, that's all do, all do all those. Do all those. Do all those things. Do all those things. We'll be happy. Uh, grateful for those of you who are new listeners and um, glad you've decided to take this little journey with us. Hope that we can provide something for you um, and hope that you have a great week. Have a great Blessings. week. Blessings. Blessings.